0: all right amen that's a blessing and i want to say thank you to those of you who have served and to those we cannot physically thank this morning who paid the ultimate sacrifice and uh, we owe a great debt to those who have put themselves in harm's way i want to talk to you today for a little while about the conversion of a public servant Uh, This guy was not a soldier, but he was a ruler of the Jews, the Bible says, part of the Sanhedrin. His responsibility was to do some things that were beneficial for the people, to serve them. And uh, turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 in your Bibles. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. And if you would please, when you locate that, go ahead and stand with me. Stretch your legs one last time. While we read the text and pray, heavy, heavy emphasis on the word last. Uh, One thing that you need to understand is when folks walk around while I'm preaching, it distracts me. And when I get distracted, I forget where I'm at in the sermon. The only thing I know to do is go back to the beginning (laughs) and start over. So if you'd like to get out sometime today, please. I'm hungry already. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee that ye must be born again. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. And thank you for this day set apart to honor some folks. Honor to whom honor is due. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless the service. I ask please that you'd fill and use me to communicate the message please holy ghost of god would you bind the enemy the strong man off the service would you hedge us about and would you convict every heart draw the loss to the lord jesus please instill that urgency and then lord would you minister to all of us as your people and get glory to your great name and we'll praise you and thank you for we ask it in jesus name amen go ahead and be seated please Uh, we see the conversion of a man by the name of Nicodemus. Let me introduce this guy to you. The Bible tells us, that he was a Pharisee that was the strictest and most conservative sect in Judaism the Sadducees were the liberals they didn't believe in the resurrection they didn't believe in the supernatural they didn't believe in angels but the Pharisees were the literalists the fundamentalists if you please Uh, and this man was a Pharisee and then it tells us he was a ruler of the Jews that's part of the Sanhedrin the ruling body uh, in Israel he had to be a good citizen in order to hold that position he had to be a good family man in order to hold that position he had some quite a resume that's listed in scripture and he was a moral man and he was a decent man a family man a good citizen but it goes on and tells us that he said some things about Jesus by the way we didn't read far enough for us to come to this statement And Jesus asked him a little later in the chapter, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? A master uh, was a teacher, somebody who was religiously involved, somebody who stood up in the Jewish synagogue uh, and partook of uh, dispensing the Word of God, the Scriptures. And Jesus acknowledged him as a master of Israel, a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee. But when Nicodemus began to speak and address the Lord Jesus, he said, we know that thou art a man come from God. Now, I certainly wouldn't have believed Jesus came from God if he did not believe in God. You know, oftentimes I talk to people about their soul and they say, "Why well, I believe in God. Well, James chapter 2 says the devils believe and tremble. So just intellectual belief in the fact that there is a God is not enough. God sent His Son because there's only uh, one God and one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. And if I'm going to come to God, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. made those things very, very clear. But the Bible tells us he was a master of Israel, religiously involved. Probably a very sincere religious man, certainly believed in God. And he even had a high opinion of Jesus. He said, no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He said, we believe that you are doing miracles. And we believe you're doing it by the power of God. Uh, That's what Nicodemus said. So when we look at this man, we find uh, a good, moral, religious man uh, who believed in God, who had a high opinion of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a set of credentials that's pretty good. But when Jesus responded to this man, he said in verse 3, verily, verily, truly, truly, putting emphasis on what he's just about to say, verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, You won't get a glimpse of it unless you get born again. Now, when Jesus made that statement, it confused Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb be born? And from there on, Jesus began to explain to him uh, the difference between these two births. He said, I'm not talking to you about two physical births. Uh, you have a physical birth that makes you part of the family of Adam. 1 right. Corinthians 15, verse 22 says, As in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all being made alive. So if I am in Adam, according to Romans 5 and verse 12, the problem is, wherefore is by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. We are sinners by nature as well as by practice. We inherited a sin nature from Adam. So, how many ways are there? You say, I don't believe in all that born-again stuff. Really? Let me ask you a question. How many ways are there to become part of the human family? You can go ahead and respond. One. I can't believe you'd say that. Boy, you narrow never minded. I think you ought to be able to get in any way you want to as long as you are sincere. You understand uh, that... It's not narrow-minded to believe that it takes a physical birth to be part of the human family. And the same people that acknowledge that oftentimes are uh, adamant against the new birth, a spirit birth. If there's only one way into the human family, a flesh and blood family, it's physical birth, it shouldn't shock you that there's only one way into a spirit family, John four and verse twenty four God said, uh, "The Bible tells us, they that worship Him, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Uh, so it's pretty clear that if I'm going to be part of a spirit family, I must have a spirit birth. There has to be a time and place. Now, everybody here have a birthday. You didn't just evolve. There was a time and place that you were born into this world, and you probably know when it was. Now, you weren't there to see it happen. Huh? You were just coming into the world. You were not an observer, but somebody told you, and you have marked the date and celebrated the date when you were born into the human family. Uh, You know, I was talking to a young man the other day, Solon, and I was witnessing to him, and... I asked him uh, if he's saved, and he said, well, I think I am. And I said, when would you get saved? He said, well, I don't know. I said, well, tell me this, Do you, when were you born? Well, he spouted that off right away. I said, isn't it kind of strange that uh, whenever you're born into this old sin, cursed world, you remember the date somebody had to tell you, but you remember, and they make a big deal of it? And I said what is supposed to be your birth into the family of God that's the key to you getting to heaven when you die, you don't have a clue. And I mean, you actually had to make that decision. It was not an accident if you're born again. You know, the Bible tells us how to get born again. In John 1, verse 12, the Bible says, "...but as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God." If I was already a son of God at physical birth, I would not have to become one at some later date. But it's as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Watch this, verse 13 says, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I I need to be born again, not of blood, not another physical birth bloodline. Nor the will of flesh, not my own way, nor the will of man, not by the traditions of men, not even their religious traditions, but I have to be born of God, born of the Spirit, and that takes place when I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. There must be a definite time and a definite place that I settle this transaction. It's not an accident. It it is not something that just happens to you. It is a matter of choice. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not talking about general prayer, about a thousand other things. The context is talking about first believing in my heart uh, that God has raised his son the dead. And uh, my mouth making confession of my faith in him. And then verse 13 declares whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, uh, shall be saved. There is a necessity of the new birth. There is no other way into the family of God. Do you remember Revelation 20 and verse 15? The Bible said, Whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That verse did not say, Whosoever lived an awful life, they would certainly be included. Whosoever was an atheist... The atheist would be included, but it's not exclusively for that crowd. It said, Whosoever's not found written in the book of life. Let me ask you a question. When did they start recording your name in this world? At birth. What birth? What if you'd never been born? Would your name have been recorded? No. Guess not, huh? If you had never been recorded, or you'd never been born, your name would never have been recorded. And if you never get born again, your name never gets recorded in the Lamb's book of life as one of his born into the family. And there must be a time and a place that we settle at. You know, an illustration that I use often when I'm talking to people soul winning, and even in preaching sometimes, uh, I deal with this concept. If you... Um, make a deposit at the bank are you trying to get rid of that money no you are trusting someone else to look after it for you is that right do you expect it to be there when you want to draw on it right now if you didn't think they'd take care of it you'd never make the deposit huh? but when you make the deposit you're not trying to rid yourself of what you deposited. You're entrusting the care of it to someone else. In the 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, Paul said, I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He's not talking about him committing himself. He's talking about him entrusting the care of his soul to Christ. Committing the care of his soul to him making a deposit. Let me ask you a question. If you took $1,000 and put it in a can and hid it in the ground and somebody found out about it and came and stole it, would you go to the bank and complain? (laughs) They stole my money! You're responsible. No, you never committed it to their care. It's not their responsibility. Are you listening to me? Why is it so many people think it's the Lord's responsibility to get them their soul to heaven when they die when they never made a deposit. They never committed the keeping of their soul to Christ. They never entrusted him with it. Maybe they trusted baptism or good works or morality or religion. Nicodemus had all of that. Jesus said that's not sufficient. If that was sufficient, he would never have come and died. He'd have just told us, do this, this, and this, and you'll be okay. Okay? But he told us as sinners that we desperately need a perfect Savior. And he was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he died as our substitute and was buried and rose again the third day. And he's at the right hand of the Father. He is the intercessor of every believer. But if I ever expect to get to heaven, there must be a definite time and a definite place... When I trust Christ to get me to heaven, I commit the keeping of my soul to him. And that's what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. He said, Nicodemus, you don't need two physical births. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. You needed one physical birth to become part of the human family. But when you have the physical birth, you're in Adam. And Adam's a sinner. If you die in Adam, you die in sin." And if you die in sin, God cannot let you into heaven regardless of how many other good things you can enumerate about yourself. Revelation chapter 21 verse 27 says that nothing that by any means defile us shall enter into that city. It has to be cleansed by the blood of Christ. None of us are going to live a perfect sinless life, but somebody did for us. And we couldn't pay for our sin unless we went to hell and burned forever because that's what we owe as a lost sinner. But somebody paid that penalty for us. If there's never a time and never a place when I receive him and commit the keeping of my soul to him, I will never experience what the Bible describes as being born again. It says, as an Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There's only one way into Christ. That's a spiritual birth. And that spiritual birth will take place when I receive the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. So the Bible makes it very clear that salvation is a necessity. In uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, he said, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we we must be saved. He said we must, this is not optional, we must be saved. There's no other name that has saving power but the name of Jesus. There is no other time to be saved but under heaven. That's why I'm walking, breathing on this planet. If I miss that window of opportunity, I am lost forever. And if you doubt that, you check Luke chapter 16 at the rich man who missed his window of opportunity, and when he closed his eyes in death, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Abraham said, Son, remember, that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this... Between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which have passed from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. He said, You are forever sealed in your fate. It's irreversible. It is too late. You missed your window of opportunity. No wonder God warns us in Hebrews 2 and verse 3 when he asks the question, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Tell me, why would you put something as wonderful as eternal life off till tomorrow? Why would you refuse something or have to reconsider whether or not you want it or whether you want it now? Kind of like Pharaoh, when Moses asked him, when do you want the plague of the frogs to depart? He said, tomorrow. Really? I want them gone now. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I don't want to spend another night with the frogs. I don't want to spend another night in sin. I don't want to spend another night in danger of dying in my sin, going to a literal hell. There is urgency and emergency about this matter of salvation. And in Second Corinthians 6 and verse 2, he said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Anybody here that doesn't know when now is? We know, don't we? That's not a mystery to us. Now is not later. Now is not a convenient season. Now is not tomorrow. Uh, now presses us. There is urgency to respond. Uh, and God said this thing of salvation is not a back burner issue. Nicodemus had all the credentials of a good man, a moral man, a religious man, somebody who was not only religious but involved religiously. He certainly believed in God. He had a high opinion of Jesus, but Jesus told him no less than three times that he had to be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he said in verse 7, marvel not. Don't be shocked, Nicodemus. I know I'm not talking to the worst man in town. Maybe I'm talking to the best man in town. Marvel not. Don't be shocked that I said unto thee that ye must be born again. No other way into the family of God except by spiritual birth. And that spirit birth is the result of me receiving Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I grew up in a Brethren Church in Pennsylvania and uh, I went Sunday school for many years and heard uh, about Jesus. They talked about him, it wasn't like they never mentioned his name. Uh, we got, I got 12 years old, they had a catechism class, asked me a bunch of questions took me in and baptized me, made me a member of the Brethren Church. I went down a dry center, came up a wet center, still in Adam, still in my sin, still lost. And those were nice people. They were sincere people. They weren't terrible people. Those people were actually trying to help me, but the problem is, I can't give you something I don't have. It's impossible for me to help you if I don't have it myself. And the great tragedy is that There are a lot of folks that have been baptized and joined church and turned over a new leaf and some of them turned over the old tree. Uh, But that's not the new birth. The new birth is when I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and God puts a premium on it, an urgency on it and he asks the question how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You know, when I got saved, I got saved out of pretty rough background. I won't wind all the gory details, but I had a lot of friends that were still out there in sin. One of those fellows I witnessed to on a Friday night, and I've witnessed to him several times before. And uh, uh, the Lord was really dealing with this guy. And when I, I saw him at the pizza shop. I sat down with him. I witnessed to him for probably 30 minutes. I mean, he was troubled. He was under conviction. And uh, one thing about conviction, when actual Holy Ghost conviction takes place, it never produces apathy. It will produce repentance or it will produce rebellion, but there's always a move toward or a push away. Real conviction affects people. And the Lord really dealt with the guy's heart. And uh, I said to him, I said, John, why don't you get that settled, man? He said, don't push me. Don't push me. Let me think about it over the weekend. Don't push me. I said, well, what if you don't have to over the weekend? He got up stomped out of pizza shop, got in his car and drove off. That was Friday night. Saturday, he went swimming at a big stone quarry. I had gone swimming there before. It's a quarry that was dug, and then it filled up with water and probably 60, 70 feet of water. And there was a... Uh, a rock face, you'd climb up, and there was a big rock that stuck out over about 25 feet. You'd go out on that rock and jump off or dive off about 50, 60 feet down. And uh, he went with some of his quote-unquote buddies, he thought. And uh, he was into drugs, and he got there, and he went over and climbed up. And when he got up that rock face about 60 feet, ready to climb up on top, one of those friends of his was standing there. He thought the guy was going to give him a hand. Instead, he gave him a foot. He kicked him in the face and flipped him backwards, and he landed on his head 60 feet down the rocks. Broke his neck, crushed his skull, killed him instantly. Uh, you said why they do that? Well, he had sold them some dope, and they felt like he had ripped them off. And they didn't discuss it with him. They just invited him uh, to come down there and party and go swimming. uh, And then they kicked him off backwards. Don't push me, preacher. Don't push me. Somebody pushed him. They pushed him to his death. I was pressing him because of the urgency that God puts in Scripture, the necessity to be saved, and the urgency to be saved. Uh, I was pressing him. You know, my parents pressed me, and honestly, they got saved. It took six months. Six months later, I got saved. And I want you to know they were annoying. I'm telling you, they were annoying. They wouldn't give me any room at all, just constantly pressing me. But boy, am I glad they did. Thank God. Because if they hadn't, I'd have probably calloused over and gotten apathetic, never darkened a church door, died in my sin, and gone to a literal burning hell forever. Maybe I'd be there already had it not been for somebody pressing me. But my friend said, don't push me. Let me think about it over the weekend. You know, I never preach the gospel, but what somebody in their mind is thinking, yeah, I ought to do that, but I'm not ready now. Let me think about it. Think about what? whether or not you want to go to hell or heaven, whether or not you you want to live in guilt or forgiveness, whether or not you want no peace or a peace that passes all understanding, whether or not you want no joy or you want a joy unspeakable and full of glory, whether you want to be with no hope or you want a hope that's sure and steadfast and anchor for the soul, whether you want to spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell, it doesn't sound to me like it's a lot to consider. Should be a pretty easy decision. Shouldn't take an hour. Shouldn't take five minutes. I mean, when I realize I have these two options, that's it. Nothing else. I know what I want. And you say, I want to go to heaven. Well, you don't get what you want. You get what you choose. There are a lot of people that verbally say, I want to go to heaven. But they choose hell when they have the option. Not today. I'm not ready now. Hey, God said, behold now is except time, behold, now is the day of salvation. I would to God my friend John could have one more opportunity, and I assure you he wants it. And if he had any clue what was going to happen the following day, he'd have made his decision. And if you had any clue what might await you this afternoon, nobody'd have to nudge you real hard, uh, because God knows in every crowd like this, there are people who are on the edge of eternity and don't know it. I need to be ready now. Behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let me ask you a question. I wonder how many of us in this crowd could honestly say, Preacher, if I died right now where I sit, I am 100% sure that I am born again on my way to heaven for a Bible reason. I don't think I'm saved. I don't hope I'm saved. I'm 100% sure that I am born again on my way to heaven for a Bible reason. Now, could I get you to be honest at church? I mean, if there's any doubt at all, don't raise your hand because someone else raises theirs. Could it just get you? I mean, I think you ought to tell the truth all the time, don't you? Let me ask you a question. If I can't get you to tell the truth at church, where are you going to start telling it? So if there's any doubt and you're not 100% sure, please be honest. That's all I ask. Just honesty. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to try to force you to do anything. But I would like you to be honest. Could I get you to do that? I get that much cooperation out of you? I wonder how many of us in this room could honestly say, if I died where I sit right now, I am 100% sure that I am born again on my way to heaven for a Bible reason. If you could honestly say that, just slip a hand up as a testimony. I'm saved and I know for sure I'm saved. All right, God bless you. You put them back down. I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. And I wonder, with their heads bowed and eyes closed? How many folks in this crowd say, Preacher, I'm not going to lie to you. I could not raise my hand a moment ago. Or maybe I did raise my hand, but in my heart. I am not 100% sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I do want to go to heaven when I die. Please pray for me if that's you would you slip your hand up good and high so it can see it? but yes God bless you I see your hand down here somebody else preacher I do not know if I die to go to heaven if I had to die right now I'm not 100% sure I'd go to heaven but I do want to go to heaven when I die please pray for me anybody else with these that have raised a hand you would say, preacher include me in that prayer Somebody else put it up good and high and put it back down. I'd be glad to pray for you. I do not know if I die to go to heaven. I'm not 100% sure I'm saved, but I have a desire to be saved. Please pray for me. Is there one more before I bow my head? You said, preacher, I'm struggling in my heart. Hadn't raised my hand, but I really need to. I don't have it settled. I'm not sure. and I don't want to gamble on going to hell. Pray for me. Is there one more before I pray? Put it up good and high so I can see it. Put it back down. Father, thank you for speaking to hearts, and I pray, Lord, for these who've raised a hand, you'd help them to respond, to get this thing settled, to know for sure they're saved. We'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. No music yet. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, except for one or two of you that raised your hand. If you lift your hand, I want you to look up here. Did you mean that, buddy? Like to be saved know for sure you're going to heaven? Not ashamed of the Lord Jesus, are you? If you mean that, I want you, if you would, just stand to your feet right there, and you just step out and come. One of these workers will meet you right down here, and they'll take the Bible. Tell you, hang, be sure that heaven's your own Christ, your Savior. Good decision. I wonder whether their heads bowed and eyes closed. Someone said, Preacher, I know I'm saved. I've not yet obeyed the Lord Jesus in believer's baptism since I have been saved. I know that I should. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Good night. I know I'm saved have not obeyed the Lord Jesus in believers' baptism since I have received him. I know I should pray for me. But I like that. Put it up so I can see it. Put it back down. And I want to ask you one last question. I wonder how many of God's people say, Preacher, this morning God spoke to my heart, and I want you to pray for me. God would help me to be more urgent and more fervent in my efforts to get others to Christ, to be a better witness, a better soul winner, to do more, to be more urgent and to press the issue with folks not to be so passive about it or not to be negligent. I just want you to pray, me. God help me to be more urgent, more fervent in my efforts to get the gospel to others. Please pray for me if that's you. Would you slip a hand up good night? Says all the crowd. God bless your hands all over the place. Many, many, many hands. Father, we love you. Thank you for speaking to hearts. Lord, please minister in our need and we'll give you the glory for we ask it in Jesus' name. I want to stand together, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Everybody's.